Um, so if you could please open up your Bibles to Psalm 62. Psalm 62 is where we're going to be this morning. Um, this, is, this has been a passage that has been just heavy on my heart for a long time, basically as, as long as I've been saved. Um, I discovered it in high school, and um, it is, it's been such a, a comfort to me because it's one of those passages that it's, it gives you hope when times are hopeless. It gives you that, that strength you need to keep going during complacent times. It gives you that that uh, encouragement to just sustain the good times. It's kind of one of those passages that just is for all seasons of life. Um, it's especially encouraging because it's about God, right? Who better to talk about than the Lord himself? And uh, more specifically, it's about God alone being trustworthy. God alone being trustworthy. And um, I don't know about you, but I have a huge tendency in my life to trust so many other things, right? There's so many other things that, that come up and, and get in the way. I'm like, oh, I should trust my own abilities, or I trust this job or this family member or whatever it is. And um, my encouragement this morning as we look at this passage is that we would learn to trust God alone. Not that these that the people aren't, aren't to be trusted, but that God alone should be the true source of our trust. So if you could please stand in honor of God's word, and we're going to read Psalm 62. For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. My fortress, I shall not be greatly shaken. How long will all of you attack a man to batter him, like a leaning wall, a tottering fence? They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. My fortress, I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. And the balances they go up, they are together lighter than a breath. Put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. Once God has spoken, twice have I heard this that power belongs to God, and that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love, for you will render to a man according to his work. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this passage, Lord. I thank you for your word, Lord, that we have the opportunity to come together as a body of Christ, Lord, and to, to study your word, Father. Lord, we pray that we'd be changed by it. God, we thank you that you alone are trustworthy. Lord, we thank you for these, these truths about you, Lord, and as we look at them, I pray that, um, that our hearts will change, Lord, that we will see where we need to trust you more. Father, Lord, I thank you for how you've grown me, Lord, how you've been faithful to grow um, the people in this church, Lord. May you continue to grow us even this morning as we look at your word, Lord. In your name, amen. And may be seated. Um, as we look at the idea of trusting God, um, there's this temptation in our hearts, at least in mine, where it's really easy to look at it by, at a situation-by-situation situation basis, right? We say, you know, there's this, uh, there's this really hard situation in my life. Well, I need to, I need to take care of this one, but the next time I'm going to trust God, right? When the next thing comes up, I'm going to trust God. Sometimes we do the reverse. It's really easy for us to trust God in the big things, right? We can trust God to get us that, that job that we need, but it's harder to trust in the little things. It's harder to trust that he's going to help us to deal with that difficulty, difficult uh, employee or whatever it is. Um, this is my, my prayer for us is that we, would, we wouldn't just see this as a situation-by-situation thing, but as a, a life-sustaining principle that throughout our life, from when we wake up to when we go to bed, we could say, I, I trust the Lord, that he is trustworthy, that that's what our lives are going to be about. Likewise, when we think about trusting God, um, it's easy to kind of look at other people and say, oh, they're not, 
they're not going through what I'm going through, right? I, you know, I could look at the middle schoolers and say, hey, you guys, you guys don't know nothing. You haven't, you haven't been through anything. But a lot of you guys could look at me and say, he doesn't know nothing, and he hasn't been through anything. Um, the, the, the idea of this isn't that, we, that it's, it changes from person to person, but that no matter if you're a, a middle schooler dealing with a difficult math class or an um, adult dealing with a serious health issue, whatever the situation is, the principles don't change. It's about we're looking at, at God this morning and, and who he is and how he alone is trustworthy, and those principles don't change no matter who you are. Uh, as we look down, we see that this is a psalm of David. Um, as is the case with, with pretty much every psalm David wrote, it's really rooted in his life situation at this point. Um, there's various opinions as to what the situation actually was, but I think, I think it's fair to say that he was being chased by somebody and somebody wanted to kill him, which if you know the life of David, that happened a lot. But um, I, would th- I think that um, most people agree that it was, it was written when his own son was, was chasing after him and trying to take over his kingdom and, and trying to kill him. Um, so it's obviously, there's a little bit of a, of a disconnect. I don't know if any of you have ever had one of your children try to kill, try to kill you. Um, I've never had one of my family members try to kill me. Um, but uh, the idea is that this is a very difficult situation for David. It's, it's, it, he's to the end of his own abilities to take care of the problem. There's nothing he can do. He can only trust in God. So this is what he says in verse 1. He says, For God alone my soul waits in silence. In those very first three words, David eliminates any other source of trust. Right? He says, he says, for God alone. And he uses that phrase, that, that, that word alone, a couple more times in this passage. And the point is, is that he's saying, nothing I can do, nothing my friends can do. There's no ability of mine to take care of this issue. Right? He was a king. He had the ability to, to tell people to do something and they would do it. But he said, not even that is going to be good enough right now. He says, for God alone, my soul waits in silence. And this idea of waiting in silence has the idea that he's saying, I know that the only good answer to this problem is God. He's saying, I know that the, the only response is God's. He's saying that God alone is truly powerful and truly able, and he is in control to take care of this situation. That's what he's saying when he says, my soul waits in silence. I'm not doing anything more. I'm waiting for God. Only he can do it. The first reason this morning um, that God alone is trustworthy, that we're to trust God alone, is that God alone is truly safe. God alone is truly safe. Let me read verse 2. It says, He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. And now he uses all these words that basically um, conjure up the idea of safety. I look at the word um, rock, and it reminds me of a story of my own life. Um, when I was a kid, my family used to always go camping um, in the mountains near Fraser Park. Every Labor Day weekend, we'd go up, and there was a, it was our extended family and friends and a bunch of different people. So there was usually around uh, 20 kids my age. And basically, every time I can remember, there was always this one thing that happened. Somewhere, it's a lot of times towards the end of the weekend, but it depended. Somewhere in the weekend, some kid, usually me or my brothers, because we were stupid like that, would pick up a pine cone and decide to throw it as hard as they can at somebody else's head, right? And immediately, within two minutes, all the kids had chosen sides, and the, the great pine cone war had begun, right? And uh, as we, you know, were throwing pine cones at people's heads and stuff, there was this um, large group of rocks at, uh, at this campsite. It was up to, to the top, and there's these huge rocks, and some of them were like 15, 20 feet tall. And even at our young age, we knew something. As far as um, winning the pine cone war, you wanted to, to, to be on the rocks, Right? You had to climb up to the top, and that way you could hide beneath the rocks and then throw pine cones. And it was this idea that we knew if we could get up there, we would be safe. Right? 
Even though we had fun, it wasn't fun to get hit in the head with a pine cone. So we're like, let's, let's, let's duck under something. The idea of a rock, of a fortress, is the idea that it's, it's an unbeatable defense. It's, nothing is going gonna, is gonna to get you. You're safe from the enemy. Look what, look what uh, David says here at the end of verse 2. He says, I shall not be greatly shaken. The idea of a fortress is that it's unshakable, that you're there and that you're safe. Um, I don't know about you, but um, I know in my own heart that I, I tend to crave safety. It's something we, I think we naturally want in life. Um, I, used to, I went through college, and I tried to tell myself in my own human pride that I'm like, oh, man, I don't need safety. Man. I'm, I'm dangerous. I'll do whatever. No, no big deal. Um, and then I got married. I'm like, I love safety. It's a good thing, right? I like stability. I like, I like being able to have the same, same job the next day. I like the, the sense of things staying the same. It's, it's safety. We enjoy it. And for us, a lot of us do enjoy our, our house and our families and our jobs, excuse me, and all those things that, that, that there's safety and stability. And there's nothing wrong with that. And we need to, to see those as provisions from the Lord. But the problem with those things, if we put our trust solely in them, is they can be shaken. Jobs go away. As we see in this economic times, jobs and houses go away real fast sometimes. Um, people, people die. It's, and it's just the truth that we can't solely put our hope there because those things are shaken. It's important for us as a church, it's important for us as in, individual believers to say, we've got to know that God alone is truly safe. That it's okay to have these things that are provisions from the Lord, but our true safety, our true shelter, our true peace amidst storm is in the Lord. That's so important for, for this church to know um, that, that no matter what happens, no matter um, what people say, that the, the division, the things that can come up in churches, as we've seen before, we don't put our, our hope in those things. Our hope is in the Lord. Our trust is truly in the Lord. He alone is true safety. As we continue on this psalm, in verse 3 and 4, what we're going to see is we're going to see David's incredibly unsafe circumstances. Let me read verse 3 and 4. He says, how long will all of you attack a man to batter him? Like a leaning wall, a tottering fence. They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. As I talked about at the beginning, the idea is that there's some people that do not like David and they want to kill him. Most likely it was his own son who wanted to take him down. And look what David says about these people. He says that they're attacking him. They plan to thrust him down from his high position that these men speak deceit, they take pleasure in falsehood, that they bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. As we can see here, David's kind of switching back and forth. He starts with saying, you know, for God alone my soul waits in silence, but then he's coming to his situation. Like, but this is what's going on. This is the difficulty. This is the hard thing. These people hate me. They want to take me down. And then look what he says in verse 5. He says, for God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. And in first look, that might seem the exact same as verse 1, but if we look at what he says, he says, For God alone, O oh my soul, wait. He's not just saying it as a fact anymore that his soul's waiting in silence. He's, he's talking directly to himself. He's saying, I know it's hard. I know things are going on, but you need to wait in God. So he's, 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 he's like begging his own soul, wait in the Lord. And then look what he says. He says, For my hope is from him. My hope is from him. And this idea of our hope being in God alone and saying that no matter the situation, no matter the problem, the best answer is God's answer. Like I said, the best answer is God's answer. Many of us, many of us are in that spot where we're hopeless. I don't know what, I can't know the situation. I don't know what it is. It could be, um, it could be family situations. It could be marriage problems. It could be that your kids want nothing to do with you 
It might be that your parents want nothing to do with you. Um, it could be friendships. It could be things going on at school. It could be so many different things. But um, when those things come, what's our tendency? I know for me, when hard things come, my immediate reaction is like, okay, what do I got to do? Right? If something breaks, the car breaks down, or if something's going wrong, you're like, okay, what should I do? What should I do? It's our tendency. It's what we say. But amidst this hopeless time, can we say, we're going we're gonna to look to the Lord only, that our hope is in Him, that we're, gonna, we're not going to carry the burden anymore, and we're going to give it to the Lord. The second reason that we're trusting God alone is that God alone truly hears. God alone truly hears. Let me read the next three verses. He only is my rock and my salvation. My fortress, I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. And a lot of those things are, are, are kind of repeated from the first two verses. But look what he says in verse 8. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. He's saying, he's saying no matter the situation, no matter what's going on, I'm going to trust the Lord alone. And he also looks to the people around him and says, trust in God always. And then he says this wonderful phrase. He says, pour out your heart before him. Pour out your heart. As I think about this phrase, to me, it has the idea of, of that we're carrying a burden, right? It's, it's like we're carrying a really heavy backpack with like 100 pounds in it. I don't know about you, but I couldn't carry a backpack of 100 pounds. Maybe you're strong. But that's, that's a big burden, right? It's like we're walking uphill with this backpack, and there's, there's nothing we can do, and we keep slowing down, and it keeps getting heavier and heavier and heavier. And the idea of pouring out our hearts to God is saying, we're, we're going to take off the backpack and give it to the Lord. And we're not going to carry it anymore. There's this, there's this idea, um, I think, inherent in American ideals, I think it's something that we just grow up knowing and thinking in our own heart, and it's that independence. It's the idea that if something goes wrong, you know, I'm going to lace up my shoes, pull up my sleeves, and take care of it. If there's an issue, we're going to go out and get it. And that's, and that's kind of what we, what we say in our minds over and over. And, and that's, just, that's just what we say. It's like, what should I do about it? What am I going to do? God says, you don't have to look at it that way. You can pour those things out to me. Our first reaction doesn't have to be, oh, no, what am I going to do about this situation? It can be, God, this is the situation. And I don't know what to do, but you can handle it. There's a beautiful verse um, in the book of Exodus. I don't, I don't want you to turn there. But um, it's in chapter 3. It's a really familiar story for us. Um, it's, it's Moses is in the wilderness, and God is speaking to him through a burning bush. Right? There's this bush, it's burning, and it's not consumed, and God talks to him out of it. And we know in the, in the chapters before that the people of Israel had, had been experiencing terrible oppression under the Egyptians, and things were hard for them, and they were hopeless. And this is what God says to Moses at that time. He says this. He says, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings and I have come down to deliver them. Do you see what he says in that short verse? He says, I see, I hear, and I know, and I'm going to take care of it. And I'm going to come deliver and that's, that's something that should be a comfort to our hearts, that there's nothing going on in our lives that is beyond God. There's nothing that he's not seeing. There's, nothing that, there's no cry he's not hearing. He knows. Um, when I was 18 years old, I had the opportunity to spend um, a summer in Tanzania. Um, I touched down, airplane touched down a day and a half after I graduated high school. Um, so I remember the first day. It was a great summer. The Lord used it so much to, to form my life and to bring me closer to him. But I remember that first day, right when we get off that airplane, and there was just immediately this terrible panic, fear, sadness, depression, confusion, all these things going through my mind. And I was just saying, 
you know, what am I, what am I doing here? What is going on? I should be like a normal kid just wasting away my summer in between high school and college. What am I, what am I doing here? And as the day kept going on, I was just about ready to, to turn to the missionaries and say, all right, let's just, I'm not cut out for this. Let's just get the, book the next flight out and you don't have to deal with me all summer. And I remember, I remember that there was this realization. It was such a, a simple realization, but, um, I was trying to pray, trying to read the Bible at that night, and it was kind of, you know, when you, you feel like you're talking to a wall. And there was this, this realization that came across me that God is still here. That the same God who was with me all through high school in California is here in Africa. He doesn't change. His principles aren't different. He hears my prayers. He knows what's going on. He sees the, the difficulty I'm having. I would say if there's one thing that the Lord taught me that summer, it was how to truly pray. How to truly pray and how to, how to look at the situations going on in life and saying, God, this is hard. I have no idea what to do with this. I, I, don't, know, I don't know how to talk to, to someone who believes in, in the Quran. I don't know how to talk to people who believe in, in thousands of gods. I don't know how to deal with that, but you do. And to truly pray and to truly pour out our hearts before God. We have, we have to understand that... Um, in my own life, I know that when I'm not praying, it's, it's basically me saying to God that I've got it taken care of. We might not be saying that directly, but that's what our hearts are saying. It's like, I, I don't need to pray today because, you know, I'm just going to work. I'm just doing the normal stuff. There's no big deal. I don't need, God doesn't need to help me today. My hope is that we would never look at our lives like that. That every, every moment we realize that we, we have to talk to the Lord. That the, the things going on in our life, we don't need to carry that burden on our own. We can bring them to the Lord. We can talk to him about him. That we can truly pour out our hearts before him because God alone truly hears us. He truly hears us. And that's why he is, he is to be trusted in our lives. In verse 9, we see that David takes another, another turn here. Let me read verse 9 and 10. It says, Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. In the balances they go up, they are together lighter than a breath. And here's what he's saying. He's, he's looking at... Um, Excuse me. He's looking at men. He's saying, it doesn't matter if they're rich or they're poor, there's the breath. They're nothing. And, and, and that means that by association, we're nothing, right? We're all human. That he's saying, they can't be trusted. I can't be trusted. That my, my abilities to take care of this isn't enough. That it's not going to be good enough. Look what he says in verse 10. He says, put no trust in extortion, Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. He's saying riches, money, money's nothing. Like man's nothing, money's nothing. None of these things are, are lasting, are going to be there. They're thing, all things that are shakable, like we talked about. Um, and you might think that this is kind of a weird little tangent he goes on, but what he's doing is he's drawing a contrast. He's saying over and over to himself, he says, God alone is to be trusted. God alone is truly safe. God alone truly hears. Man, they're nothing. They're not worthy of our trust. They're not worthy of us putting our faith in them and our hope in them. The final reason that we're going to see God alone is trustworthy. And to me, to me, it's the most encouraging. It's, it's, what, it's what makes my heart light up thinking about it, is that God alone is truly almighty and all-loving. He's almighty and all-loving. Let me read verse 11 12. Saying, once God has spoken, twice have I heard this, that power belongs to God and that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love. We look at that first phrase, and David's not contradicting himself. He, doesn't, he knows how to count. What's going on is he's saying, he's saying, once God has said this, he said this truth about God is unchanging. 
You only had to say it once, and that's what it is. It's true. And then twice have I heard this, just the idea that I've got to hear it over and over. I've got to tell myself over and over that these things about God are true. That I've got to know it in my own heart. And here's the first thing he says is true. He says that power belongs to God. And we think about that idea of, of strength, of power. Um, for me, I think of, for some reason, I don't know why, but I always go to the idea of really tall buildings. Um, this idea, this uh, week, uh, Jesse and I, along with my dad, we had the opportunity to be in L.A. And as we were driving by the, the, the really tall buildings, I just always look up. I'm just like always amazed how someone can make a building that's so tall and it's so wide at the bottom and they make it so they can withstand wind and all of these earthquakes and all of these things. And I look at that, I'm like, man, that's strong. That's strong. That's something that is, that's powerful. It's big. Um, for some of us, it might be people. Um, I remember as a kid, I, I grew up uh, watching the, the TV show, um, the World, World Strongman Competition. I don't know if any of you watch that, but it's basically large Scandinavian men like hauling airplanes. And it's, they're unreal, and they have these huge, uh, and I don't know if Chuck Schaefer's here, but he pointed out after first service that all of them are named Magnuson. So it's a random, <laughs> a random thought. But uh, the idea that there's these huge, like, Things, this, these rocks, he's big, and these guys, there's no problem. It's like, take them up and lift them up. And these men are strong. And we can look and like, man, those guys, those guys are strong. Or maybe for some of us, it's, it's strong in a different sense. It's that, that strength of leadership. And we can look at presidents, or we can look at um, world leaders and say, those people are strong. They can, they can just speak and lead millions of people. But the reality is, is in this idea of physical strength, God, God is stronger than all of those. That as we know, those buildings, sometimes they fall. Sometimes stuff happens. And with those the strong people, they're going to die, both the physically strong and the leaders. And, and, and people's kingdoms crumble, and all these things that we see as strong, they're still shakable. They're not truly strong because they will come to an end. They're, they're not everlasting. And uh, so not only is David talking about this idea of the physical strength, right, that, that God is stronger than all these things, but I think what he's really saying is that God is strong enough to handle each and every situation in my life. David's looking at the circumstances. He knows that the, the, the odds are against him. He, he knows that people are out to get him. He says, God, you alone are strong. You're truly strong. That, that you can handle whatever's going on in my life. Um, there's, a, there's, a verse, there's a verse in the um, book of Ephesians that just comforts me so much. And Paul, is, he's praying. And this is how he ends his prayer. He says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. He's saying, no matter what the situation, God can handle it. For some reason, this verse, it always makes me think of people in our lives. Maybe it's family members, maybe it's friends. I know for me, it's both family members and friends who um, their lives are just not going well and they don't know the Lord and they're not following Him. Or maybe they, they've walked away from the Lord. And we can look at this verse and say, God can do more than we ask or think. Even the hardest heart, God can change. God can mold. For me, it, it can be a variety of situations. I remember um, several months ago, um, sitting in a college dorm room, knowing that I was going to get married in a month and that I didn't have a job. I was like, all right. And then time kept getting closer and closer. And uh, I'm like, I still don't have a job. Still getting married, but still don't have a job. And um, just to see the Lord's provision, even in that, that, that what, nine days before I got married, that... Uh, that the Lord just literally just set a job on my lap. And I can look at that situation, a variety of other situations, and say, God's strong enough. There's no situation that's, that's beyond him. There's no circumstance that he can't handle. God 
can handle our situations. He's powerful. He's almighty. Look what he continues on. He says, that power belongs to God and that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love. So it's not just this idea that God will work out whatever situation is going on, not just the idea that God is stronger than anything in this world, but that he's loving, that he'll work out that situation, but he'll do it with you in mind. Not just that, that he's going to make a solution, but that he loves you. And that he's, whatever's going on in our lives, in my life, is, is, is planned by God. That he's able to work out that situation, and he's going to do it with what's best for us. That he knows exactly what we need in our own life, even if it's really difficult circumstances, to grow us, to make us more like him. And why does he do that? He does that because he loves us. Because he loves us. We think of this idea of, of God loving us, and, and I, we can't help but look to the gospel. Right? David was writing this in Old Testament times. He's able to say it was God. God is loving. And this was even before, before Jesus. This was before he had his sins atoned for. This is the truth that for us living in this time, we know that God is loving because he died for us. We know that God is loving because he loved us enough to send his son to live a sinless life and die for us and take all of the weight of our sins on his shoulders. He's saying, you don't have to deal with your sin anymore. right? I'm loving enough to take it for you and I'm strong enough to make it gone for good. That's what the gospel is. It's, the, it's this picture of God's incredible strength and love. Now, I want, I want to read a verse um, from the book of 1 John. It says this, 1 John 4.10, In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. He's saying perfect love is, is nothing that, that we can show, but it's that God alone did by sending his Son. That he sent his Son to die for us. As we think about God being trustworthy, we can look to the gospel. In whatever situation, um, I know that, you know, God, God died for me. It doesn't matter. I remember in first service, I told Jesse right before I was about to go up, we were singing the song, How Deep the Father's Love for Us. I'm like, this is encouraging to me because I know that even if I go up and do a really terrible job at preaching, God still loves me. <laughs> that, nothing, that nothing changes. Even if, you know, I stutter all the time and don't even say what I was supposed to say. God still loves me. It doesn't matter. that He, he died for us. right? And that there's, there's no situation in which we're outside of that love. That's important for us to know as a church. As we think about them, I know for those of us who have been around last year, we've been talking a lot about what we want to be as a church, about being a gracious church and about rescuing families um, and about shepherding people. Those are things we can only do because of the gospel. We can be gracious because God's been gracious to us. We can, we can rescue those families, not out of our own ability, but because Jesus already rescued them. Because they can have eternal life through Jesus. We can, we can shepherd, uh, shepherd people younger than us and shepherd the people in this church because of the gospel. Because of the truth of his strength and his love. This is such an encouraging thing to me that God loved us enough to die for us. And this is why he's to be trusted. Um... As we think about this idea of trusting God, I don't know about you, but for me, um, when we have those situations come up, it's really easy for us to just to say this fact, like, just trust God, trust God, trust God. It even becomes really popular kind of in our Christian circles. If somebody tells you a story of something really hard going on in their life, it's really easy for you to say, well, uh, trust God. That's what you need to do. 
And it just becomes the things we tell ourselves over and over. We need to do this. We need to trust God. My, my hope this morning is that, is that we would see that we're not just trusting God because God wants us to. Like, oh, I guess I should trust God. No. We're trusting Him because He's trustworthy. We have reasons to trust God because no matter the situation, no matter the danger that comes, He alone is true safety. He alone is a, a truly safe place for us to run to. And no matter the, the burden that, that we're carrying, no matter the difficulty of life, He alone truly hears that and wants to take that burden and wants us to pour out our hearts to Him. And in any and every situation, we know that, that He died for us. That we have the gospel, that He alone is truly powerful and truly loving. That's amazing things for us to, to tell our heart, to know that we're not just saying, trust God, trust God, trust God but we're trusting God because he can handle it. We're trusting God because he's trustworthy. That's the, that's the beautiful truth of this passage, and I hope as, as we go about this week that we'd realize that no matter the situation, God can handle it. God is trustworthy. He loved us, he died for us, and he can handle our situations. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for your love. Lord, I thank you that there's nothing... Um, nothing beyond you. Lord, there's no, no situation in our life that you can't handle, God. Father, Lord, I thank you that you're trustworthy. Lord, that you're truly safe for us, Lord, amidst so much unsafety in this world and in our lives. God, that no matter the situation, we can talk to you. Lord, even in our own sin, even in our own um, mistakes, Lord, that you still hear and we can still pour out our hearts to you. Lord, and I thank you that you love us, Lord, that you love us enough to die for us, God, that you've given us your son, Lord, so that, so that we as individuals and as, a, and as a church might worship you, Father, without guilt. God, we thank you so much, Lord. We thank you that you are to be trusted in every life situation, God. In your name, amen. You guys are dismissed.